Dr. Anna? Yebo. Good evening to you. How are you, ma? Good evening, Yebonga. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this evening here on Metro FM Talk and welcome to you. And uh, Dr. Anna, I, I must say, uh, you know, as I was reading through your, your resume there, and uh, I, I certainly hope I echo the uh, sentiments of many of our listeners here in uh, saying you have quite an extensive one with uh, many noteworthy accolades and uh, kudos to you and congratulations to you for all of the hard work that you've done uh, over the last few decades or so in establishing not only uh, your name but also the uh, role of woman in the world of business and uh, one person who's also done that uh, as we kick off the interview I want us to talk about uh, is uh, uh, Dr. Tandin Jovu who passed on on Saturday. Uh, I, I would assume you would have had many interactions with her uh, in uh, the world of business and uh, uh, maybe just a few words on your end uh, as you reflect on her life. I mean this was the most devastating news for us women because one life lost is one life too much, too many. You know, um, Dr. Tandi Lobu was an icon. You know, Estrada is an icon, uh, became a businesswoman, served her country selflessly, you know. And so it was a big blow for all of us. And on Women's Month, mm. I mean, that was really a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. And may I, th- I think for, for, for many people who might not be familiar, with, uh, you know, the, the early days in the world of uh, business, uh, when we think of, uh, you know, organizations like WDB, uh, some of the organizations you lead, the CIH, and, uh, you know, Nozala Investments and Muteo and all of those other uh, uh, investment houses and vehicles that emerged, led by very strong and fiery women uh, in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Just maybe paint a picture for us of, of uh, what that kind of environment was for many of you, uh, you know, uh, who... Uh, sort of either we're coming back into the country or now going into business in, uh, in essence, what ought to have been a new society. Uh, just maybe paint a picture for us of uh, some of the experiences that uh, you were met with in that kind of environment and how they've positioned you uh, to uh, continue to play the role that uh, you play uh, alongside many other uh, vehicles that are led and uh, driven and inspired by women. Yes, I mean, those were the dark days, you know, where uh, we had to face a revolution, much as it was post-democracy, but there was definitely a revolution for us women to crack, you know, those barriers of business and commerce, which were meant for and had been run for men, by men all these years. And to crack that and enter the boardroom, you know, for people like Chandi, myself, and many others, was a mission. Because you found yourself as the only woman in the board. Mm. And having to deal with those stereotypes uh, and those hardcore men was a revolution on its own. And to be able for people like yourself and many others to influence policy in in those boardrooms was a tough call. Mm. And I can tell you now, even now, if you look at the statistics today, you'll find that we're actually regressing a bit, you know, Mm. in the numbers. For example, you must have heard when Maria Ramos left AXA that she left a void. Of the top 40 companies on the stock exchange, she was the only female CEO. Thank God, Bidvest has appointed Mpumi. Now, at least she has a replacement. Mm. Maria has a replacement. We have now one. But we are saying, but this is just not good enough. How can you have only one female CEO in the top 40 companies on the stock exchange? 
I think it is so pitiful. It says something about the status quo, the way it is now, that we, we should actually be breaking those barriers more and more and bringing more women in top positions. You know, we're not looking for crumbs as women. That you're going to place us at a lower level. We want to be in leadership itself. Mm. Because that's where it matters. Because if you are in a key decision-making position, then you can bring many more along. But, you know, uh, we were just not making those great strides the way we should. What does that say to us, Ma? Uh, is, it, is it a matter of the kind of context that we're finding ourselves in? Have we seen a retreat to the kind of conservative old boys clubs, uh, very white male driven that we've seen in the world of business? Or uh, is it, a, I guess, uh, also a reflection of uh, what many of those we've vested with power? I mean, we don't vote for shareholders, uh, many of us, uh, I, I guess, unless you sort of sit in, in some of these AGMs or, or, or boards of directors uh, or even management teams. Uh, many of us don't, but uh, every uh, every so often we vote for our own political leaders and one would think that uh, they were supposed to, uh, I guess, lean heavily on the business sector to transform and ensure that uh, with women being the majority in this country that you have uh, much more diverse boards, much more diverse management teams and, of course, much more diverse operations. Yeah, I, I think let's start off from the shareholder base because basically it's shareholders who elect the directors. Mm. You don't elect yourself. So let's analyze the shareholder base. Who are these shareholders who control the JSE companies? Who are they? And how many women are there? Or women-owned investment companies that can own such a huge chunk? It is mostly men-run, led companies, investment companies. Mm. And, and do they really bother that they're electing a woman? No. It's an old boys club. They'll be looking at who they know. And those are the people they're going to place. You know, they are the big names, you know, in commerce today. They are big names who are known. And those are the ones whom they want, you know, always to be the people who are uh, elected as directors. So I think that let's start off by saying the shareholder base is wrong, you know. We've got to correct the shareholder base. The shareholder base must be sensitive to such things. Uh, uh, like a gender diversity. I mean, the JSE has tried to say uh, every company listed on the stock exchange must submit a gender policy annually. But, you know, yes, they do, but men, 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 it is just not happening the way we ought to be seeing it. And, yes, more and more women are joining boards. That, that is true also, because we mustn't all say it's all doom and gloom. Many women are joining boards. And we are seeing that shift. But because women are in the majority, I mean, look at South Africa's um, census. It shows we are almost about 60 million, and the majority are women and females. So we are so huge in numbers that, I mean, for the impact to be felt and seen, it's going to take a more aggressive and robust strategy to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess the other dimension to that kind of robust strategy that's needed uh, is uh, to uh, you know have some form of intergenerational passing of the baton from different generations of 
uh, uh, business women and uh, uh, business leaders. Uh, 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 do you get a sense that that kind of intergenerational conversation happens? Uh, uh, I must certainly say that uh, from, from my own experience of Dr. Tandindlovu, that was something that she was really interested in and she was quite committed to. And uh, we've also seen something similar across the board. But uh, I guess the, the question still bears uh, to be posed. Uh, uh, have we created the spaces for some of this mentorship to happen and some of that intergenerational dialogue among black businesswomen to happen? I think this is what we need to do as part of that robust strategy where we must take them along. Because now, you know, young ladies are completing university and their studies at a very early age. I mean, you'll find someone at 17 already being a graduate mm. or by 21 being a chartered accountant. I mean, they are really, really aggressive, the young, the young generation. And they are crying out for us to hold their hands. So that intergenerational uh, engagement, I think this is what people like Tandy really were promoting. And mm. I think that's part of the robust strategy. Uh, you know, the, the statement of Dr. Charlotte McGregor, take someone along. Mm. You don't want to be alone. It's cold out there. You need more and more people around you rather than to be on your own. Sure. So, yes, indeed, that, that should be part, that should form part of the strategy. Uh, and also, you know, mentorship and grooming is very, very key as well. Mm. Because you can have the qualifications, but you need grooming. And you need to share, you need the older generation to share with you the tactics. You know, if you're not technical, technical, you, you won't win that fight. Mm. As I said to you, it's a, it's a revolution. Yeah. And unless you know how to go about it, you know, you can have the arms in your mm. hands. But if you don't know the tactics of it, then you'll find that you're sure. frustrated. So there is a way, and, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a way that I also devise because I realize in many cases I was alone. And they would just bring these directors when there was an opportunity to bring someone new in the board. Mm. And then I'll be outvoted because mm. I'm the only one. But then I realized, no, 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 I can't be confrontational because I think they're going to get rid of me for one thing or the other. So I, I use a tactic of gentle but perpetual, continuous persuasion. Mm. And also working on their conscience. I would raise these issues about their conscience, how they feel about this. You know, when women are in the majority, when women are our customers, but this doesn't reflect on the board the way it is. I mm. mean, actually, you don't stop to, you don't stop the pressure. You don't release the pressure. You, you press it all the time. And you will get to a point where, as an irritation, they will just give you and, 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 and you know, succumb to your pressure. So okay. I found it has worked. It takes a bit long, but it mm. works to the end. And one thing that we should know, if you are alone in the board, don't powder your nose, sit there and believe you are special. Mm. You are not. You are not representing the female species well by doing that. Okay. Let's pause there for a second and uh, also invite some of our listeners here to weigh in on our conversation. Give us a ring on 89 I'm in conversation with uh, Dr. Anna Mohokong and uh, we're talking to her, of course, about the strides that she has made in the world of business. We continue on the other side of this brief break. Six minutes it is uh, before 9 p.m., under the microscope this evening, we uh, talk to uh, Dr. Anna Mohukong and uh, talk to her about her tireless work and advocacy uh, for the empowerment of women in the world of uh, commerce. And uh, we are speaking to her uh, this evening here uh, uh, on the eve, of course, of um, 
uh, a talk she will deliver uh, titled The Next Move uh, for Women Empowerment. And Dr. Anna will uh, get, uh, of course, uh, to uh, some of the work that you're doing there and uh, that particular talk there. But I, I'm quite interested in hearing your views on a, spef- a specific matter here. I think if you ask any South African about, you know, uh, the tough economic conditions that the country finds itself in and, uh, of course, the role uh, of an entity like ESCOM, which uh, you would be very familiar with, uh, uh, having been involved at uh, Sariti Coal as well, which uh, uh, I understand to be one of the um, entities within the ecosystem of suppliers for ESCOM. Uh, what do you make of that, and in particular some of the other uh, challenges that uh, our economy continues to face in ensuring that uh, whatever growth we achieve is inclusive, whatever uh, activity happens in our economy gets everybody on board in a country where many people have, uh, I guess, effectively been sort of elbowed out of the formal economy, uh, either through unemployment or all manner of other issues? Yeah. You, you know, um, I, I just feel that in terms of the tough economic situation, I think we need to think out of the box as South Africans. Um, we, we have a big, big population, uh, a population that has requirements, some of them being energy, food, water, and all that. And I'm saying sometimes the solutions are right in our faces, bang in our faces. But we tend as a country to look rather far and distant for solutions. I mean, if you look at our retail stores, for example, if you look at them, there are quite a few of them, and quite, I mean, quite significant stores, you know, throughout the country. Now, those stores need merchandise. They need products. They need dairy. They need poultry. They need meat. I mean, beef, whatever, you know. Mm. And I'm saying, but can't we as a nation produce for our retailers? Because you find that we are not even producing enough to supply them. Why, why can't we have programs? I mean, you look at, we've got a land bank. That should be supporting the farmers. And the farmers are the ones who must produce the, the goods. And uh, then we have the one retailers who I'm sure would be quite prepared to do you know, market readiness, uh, enterprise promotion, development, and also give our farmers an, an uptake of the product. Mm, mm. I'm saying here are the solutions that can actually build our economy. We've got so much land that is lying fallow that can be put to good use, producing food for the nation. So I'm saying, you know, you don't need superfluous, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, equations and, and, and solutions. They are so basic and they are there, you know. And yes, you're talking about ESCOM and power. Yes, power is an issue. And I can just imagine when we have the the, the load shedding, uh, you look at our small business people, how they suffer. Because many of them can't afford the generators. Uh, So I'm just saying that I think we need to look for permanent solutions that can reach out, Mm. you know, to our people, to our communities. And, and find solutions and make those solutions sure. possible and affordable mm. for our and I think, Dr. Mokokong, we're going to have to bring you back uh, again, I guess, to speak about some of the issues here between the interface between the agricultural sector and the retail world, uh, yeah. because there's a lot of issues that we, we'd love to maybe hear your perspectives on as a, somebody yeah. who sits uh, as a non-executive director at uh, ShopRite Holdings. But as we wrap up, I want us maybe to just speak briefly. You touched on um, 
you know, uh, one of the quotes there from Umamu uh, Shalot Manyama uh, Kleke earlier on. And uh, of course, uh, you're also uh, tomorrow being honored by her foundation and also delivering a talk, uh, the next move uh, for women empowerment. Just uh, maybe briefly explain to us uh, what that talk is about and uh, more importantly, some of the work uh, that uh, the uh, CMMMI, the Charlotte Manyama Kleke Institute, is doing. Yes, I think um, the next move, what it means to us is what do we do next? Because we can't sit on the ground and be mourning perpetually. We, we can't do that. I don't think it will help us and assist us. So we are saying in this generation, remember we're coming from a, gener- a generation of struggle, the struggle era. Now we are saying, yes, those ladies, those heroines, those icons, all our struggle icons created a foundation for us to build on. Now there is a very firm foundation which we must build on. Uh, now, we are saying, what is that move? And the move we are saying is, let us not play the victim role, mm. but the victor role of how do we, as sisters, move together forward into the future. Now, we are saying, you know, there you find these uh, retailers. And they're sitting with huge budgets, you know, through the social and ethics and transformation committees. You find that their programs that are actually delivered by those companies. And they're sitting with these things, and how do we then access them? I think that should be the move. How do we access those funds? How do we access those opportunities? I mean, you've got supplier development programs mm. in those companies. Uh, you've got market readiness programs. How do we access them? And people should be aware that they exist. As it is, you find a lot, a lot of companies you know, they are tasked with bringing the bottom line. Mm. You know, they don't really have much time to be looking around the community. So I think we need cohesion and engagement that is effective from the communities that say, here are the people, you know, how do we empower them? And then you've got land, for example, around the retailer. Sure, Can sure. those small-scale farmers produce? Okay. I know for a fact that... In, in one of the communities, ShopRite has actually given an uptake to one of the small-scale farmers. Mm. They've given the person a list of what they require. So, you know, the farmer needs to produce the goods. Mm. But then, what are we going to need for the, our women? We are going to need mentorship. Who will guide them and, uh, and show them how to plant cucumbers, mm. how to plant the lettuce? What is the best way? So, you know, we need a 360-degree approach. Okay. Because you can get an order... But if you don't know how to produce, mm. how are you going to get to that point? So I think government and private sector need to work together and find sure. the solutions and bring the solutions to our communities. You know, we must talk to each other as a nation. Sure. As sure. Is, we are not. We are in different corners. But where will that take South Africa to? Mm. Where will it take us to? Me. If we are not talking to each other, you know? Me. So it's very, very important that we have a cohesive, cohesive way of communication in this country. That's where we are missing it. Okay. We are talking past each other. And, Me- and there are these resources that are mm. there. And they need to be accessed, you know? Okay. Uh, so, Ma- so I'm saying that the next move means what do we do next? How do we move forward? And not backwards. Okay. Ma, we'll have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And uh, I certainly encourage many to uh, go and uh, catch uh, that uh, address you're going to be making there. It, uh, certainly, judging from what you're saying, is uh, going to be a rather enlightening one and uh, encouraging all there to uh, attend.
Uh, that one, uh, uh, it's uh, hosted by the Charlotte Manyamaklega Institute, the CMMI, in collaboration with the UNISA College of Graduate Studies uh, at uh, the Institute of African Renaissance Studies there at uh, UNISA. And uh, it's uh, happening over the near next uh, few days or so. Uh, it's happening tomorrow evening, actually. Uh, so I would encourage all of you uh, to uh, go and attend there. Uh, if uh, you are in uh, the Gauteng City region or even uh, in uh, Tswane. Uh, uh, Dr. Mukhokong, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us Thank this you. evening. Thank you, and uh, wish you all of the best and uh, kudos and congratulations to you once again uh, for yes. this uh, honor that you're going to be receiving from the Thank CMMI. You. That's where we're going to have to leave it, uh, ladies and gents, uh, this evening here on Metro FM Talk. Uh, the man with the music is already here. Essentially, and uh, we are gonna have to leave it there. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, Africa. Asga kribi ukuibanga le economy.